Welcome to the Hospitality Success Podcast. I'm your host, Martin Gilbert, and in this episode, we're here to bring you the insight on how to be successful in the hospitality industry from a perspective of a successful female leader. We'll be talking to Sarah Yoke in this episode, and she'll be sharing her inspiring journey to success, as well as her tips and advice to help you succeed in the hospitality industry. Tune in to hear her inspiring story and to gain insight on how to become successful in the hospitality industry. There is a meaning buried within the sound. year so she started she worked in restaurant Old. back she actually went to I was know, 12 <laughs> so she actually went to a police school in Ontario and she was working in restaurant uh, while she was doing that came back to New Brunswick uh, in Fredericton started at the Sheraton Fredericton in 98. She was a, she grew in food and beverage and uh, human resources. She was the regional director for HR in the Maritimes um, Atlantic Canada. She was a national trainer for Chip Hospitality, which was over 40 hotels uh, nationwide. Then she became GM at 31 years old for a Holiday Inn in Mactaquacus. So it was actually a very nice little resort on a river in uh, just outside of uh, Fredericton. And then shortly after, she was moved to be the GM at the De uh, Delta Fredericton at 32. And uh, along doing all of that, she also, she for eight years, she was running her own team building uh, business. So she was doing both at the same time uh, while doing this. So she's also been recognized. Um, she was a business person of the year for the Chamber of Commerce in Fredericton. She was Hotel of the Year in 2012. She received uh, the Surf 360 Award to Marriott Canada. And then she's also, also always been recognized to her call with GMs on high guest satisfaction, AES, financial market share growth. And this is achieved through her leadership, her risk-taking, and she'll talk about that, and her innovation. So, Sarah. Is this on? Okay. Yeah, that was embarrassing. <laughs> Maybe you should start with a story about Martin. How do you two know each other? Martin worked for me. <laughs> Martin was my director of sales. It took about six interviews and three months before I hired him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we have joked along the way that um, He's my brother from another mother, and I'm his sister from another mister. We uh, bonded quickly when we worked together, and uh, it, was, it was my focus um, to work with him and develop his skill set so he could someday be a general manager. And I'm so proud of him. I was just, I toured that hotel today, and I'm like, Martin, I think you're too little for this. <laughs> and I drove Sarah here, and I said, all right, give me all the dirt on him. <laughs> He's a clean freak, people. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Okay, we're, we're having a conversation at the end. We want you to ask some questions. Uh, we, we have a little bit of 
sort of a format. We'll just try and run through it, right, Dominique? Okay. Yes. So to start it off, uh, Martin gave a little bit of background into your career, Sarah, but I would like to know from you personally, uh, why did you become involved in hospitality and how did you go about that? Well, it was my first job when I literally was 12. I worked in a restaurant, but I had always wanted to be a police officer. And I pursued that at a very young age. I went and applied for the Toronto Metro Cadet Program in Toronto, and uh, I didn't get in. And then I went to school, policing school in uh, Oakville, Ontario. I, as I was going to school my first year, I was a poor, starving student at 19 and uh, worked in retail and realized I was never going to do that again because um, I was eating Mr. Noodle for... <laughs> And that didn't work. So then I started working in a restaurant where you make some pretty good cha-ching. And uh, I realized that I kind of love that industry. And at the time, I had graduated from uh, school, but there was a hiring freeze in Ontario. So I just continued to work. I went home for a summer, worked at the Fredericton Police Department. And then I went to a really bad car accident. And we just talked about this because Jen's husband's a police officer. And I realized... Hmm, I don't know if I'm loving this. And then I went back to Ontario and continued to apply. But at the back of my head, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. But I had just gone to school and paid a lot of money. And I continued working for that restaurant company. It was Kelsey's International. And at the time, I opened the first Montanas in Canada. And they were opening Outback Steakhouses. And so I became a corporate trainer for them. And I really loved that company. And I had a manager that once said to me, you need to work in the hotel business. So that was my first glimpse at even thinking about the world of hotels. But yeah, and they asked me to go into the management training program, and I remember calling my parents and going, uh, would you be okay if I wasn't a police officer and I, that I pursued this new career in the restaurant business? And they were, please. <laughs> <laughs> they were so scared that I was going to be working downtown Toronto as a police officer. But they were, they were pretty proud of me after that and making that decision, but I was scared to death to tell them. So that's kind of my first step into getting into hospitality. Really loved that company. It was very structured, very processed. You know, it was the 90s so it was super fun and then I went home for a summer vacation and I met a boy and I went back home and so that was a big decision for me and I live Fredericton New Brunswick is a population of 50,000 people so it's not like the metropolis and there wasn't a lot of restaurants at the time in Fredericton we didn't even have Costco <laughs> so um, again this is the 90s uh, 1998, and there was a Sheridan there, and so I thought, you know, I remembered that girl, a manager I had once saying, you should be in the hotel business, and so I went into the Sheridan, and I applied, and I took whatever I could get, so I started as a host in this restaurant, and it sucked, because I had just made really great money in Ontario, uh, was pretty high up with that company, knew all the players, I was 25 years old, I was going places, and then I, here I am starting my career over for a boy. Yeah, I made eight bucks an hour at that hotel, which I now manage, and I don't make eight bucks an hour. So, <laughs> but I think in or when I do orientations with new employees, I always say we all start somewhere. And, uh, you know, every manager, general manager in our company started somewhere making $8 an hour, right? So keep that in mind as you're pursuing your career goals. And then from there, it just sort of took off. All right. <laughs> just a little bit nervous. No. They can edit that. <laughs> Um, so Sarah, you talked about being a hostess and that was just your starting off point in hospitality. So from then going all the way up, um, to being in the general manager position now, what did that path look like? And do you think if you had been a male at that time, would it have been different? I think so what it looked like, I remember 
being hired as a hostess. And I uh, had a new food and beverage director that just was hired at the hotel. And I remember walking up to him and saying, I can do more than this and I can be more and I can make you look good. And so literally two months later, I became the restaurant manager. And then from there, I, I became, I want, I was, I loved people. I loved the fun side of it. My human resource director had given her notice. And so I was like, I don't know anything about HR, but why not? So I applied and strangely, I got the job. I remember it, I was smoked in the restaurant and I went for my interview and I was like sweaty and ran into my GM's office and did this interview for a director role. And I was like, I'm never going to get this. But he gave it to me. So, you know, for me, I don't know if, I think for some back then, I think for females, certainly, it could have been a challenge. You know, I was the 90s. But for me, I was pretty assertive. And so I said, I went up to that guy and said, I can do more than this. I want to be a manager of this hotel someday. And I just kept doing that throughout my career. And I think that's super important to do. I think a lot of, if you ask guys maybe how they become GMs, they would say, because I'm awesome. <laughs> us girls, we would say, oh, because we had a whole bunch of people support us and bring us along the way, right? So for me, I don't think I thought I was awesome, but I think that I was a bit more aggressive than some of the female leaders that I've worked with over the years. And so for me, it's been always about encouraging them to really find their own strength and, uh, and influencing them to become confident in themselves because everybody's got it in them it's just sometimes people need a push you had talked about somebody suggesting and maybe we've all had that right where somebody suggested oh you would be great for hotels um and you wonder why it doesn't pay well but <laughs> did you have an advocate along the way like that's a pretty big leap to go from a restaurant manager to a director of did you have somebody who said uh you know they spoke of you when you were not in the room, and they, they were the ones that really got you to the GM role. Yeah, I think when I was the restaurant manager and I knew I had to find my place in this new hotel world, I got involved in everything. So I got involved in committees, and I got known across the hotel as being somebody that is the go-to, like, oh, yeah, she'll she'll do that. And, you know, at that time, I also, my food and beverage director, David McQuinn, he was amazing and certainly somebody that I learned from and has inspired me throughout my career. But he was old school in the fact that it was, you have to work your guts out. And back in that day, that was the culture, right? You worked hard. Those that worked hard and worked long, they were the ones that got, that were successful. And that time has changed. And thank gosh, because I'm old now. I've tried to be the hardest worker in the room. I tried to have the best attitude. I knew that I didn't know more than anyone else. In fact, I always say, you know, I always want to hire the people that are way smarter than me. You know, that's that's always the goal. But yeah, I definitely have had cheerleaders along the way. But for me, it's more about the people I work for, like as far as my employees opposed to my bosses. It's always about doing good work for them. We get to hear a lot about the work stuff. Okay, the question, the burning question, we don't have it on our list, but did you stay with the boy? I married him. <laughs> I'm not with him anymore. <laughs> so relationships <laughs> was my number one value, but just don't ask the boys that. <laughs> okay, I did not know that. We did not plan that. Yeah, your relationships is your value. He was my high school sweetheart too. That's amazing. Yeah. Still good friends. That's good. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah, we should have maybe talked about that before I asked the David, question. where's that drink? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, when we talk about values, relationships is an important value. Let's talk a little bit about, um, or I hope we can talk a little bit about health concerns and what you're going through at this time. Um, yeah, so in 20, I was a normal 
manager, normal person one day, and then on a Saturday in 2014, Thanksgiving weekend, my friend uh, Martin Gilbert came to Fredericton uh, from his hotel in Quebec and said, well, let's get together and have some snacks and a drink. And so we did. We went to my property and we had uh, some chicken wings. It was a normal Saturday night. I had a glass of wine and chicken wings. And then I was tired, so I went home. And that night, I went to bed like at midnight and by 12:30 I was in an ambulance. I had a grand mal seizure and uh, went to the hospital and found out that I had a brain tumor. So yeah and then they rushed me to another city which is where all my doctors are because uh, Fredericton's small and they don't have a neuro department so I had surgery that week. I had a brain surgery um, and then it was determined when I could woke up from that surgery, I was paralyzed. So I woke up paralyzed on my left side, my tumor is on my right side, and so I still can't move my fingers on my hand, but I couldn't walk, and I was in the hospital for about five months rehabbing. So at that, that was pretty tricky. <laughs> and then it was determined that the pathology of the tumor was cancerous, so I have brain cancer, and then I started treatment. So I did a year of intensive chemotherapy, which was a little tricky when you were the GM of the Delta Fredericton. And then, um, and trying to walk again and move your arm. So, but I did it. And then I was told that it probably would come back and hopefully it wouldn't come back for a long time. And at that time I was like, this stage of my life is over. I'm done with that. 2015, it happened. And then in 2017, the tumor completely came back again. So I had a second craniotomy. And this time it was an awake surgery, so I didn't have any loss of function in my body, which was super duper. I felt like my surgeon was a rock star. And I literally was out of the hospital in three days that time. But I had to do radiation that time, and I also had to do chemotherapy for another intensive year. And so when I did radiation because of the location of um, the tumor, I lost my hair. So that sucks for a girl, right? So I really rocked some wigs, though. I had fun shopping for wigs. <laughs> Yeah, I went back to work three months after my surgery, and I can remember getting out of the hospital three days after, and the hotel calling, and my mother wanted to kill him. <laughs> but yeah, I just, uh, it is what it is. I still do chemotherapy every day, and I'll probably do it for the rest of my life. But, but I'm good. We're so you glad know, you're I'm here. here. I'm kicking. We're glad that you're here. Thank you. That, that's hard to have a follow-up question. One of the things that stands out for me is that you talked about and said, while I was the general manager, so still, I mean, not while you were in the hospital working, but talk, talk about that. Why the choice? I think there's many people. I, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I would be like, I'm out. <laughs> tap, tap, I'm out. I'm, I'm, and uh, why the choice to continue working? So work had been such a big part of my life. I was brought up to be a worker from my parents. That was the values they had for me. Like, you know, I can remember being 10 and piling wood and mowing the lawn. Like, that was just how it was and uh, how I was brought up. But, you know, all my doctors think I'm nuts. They're like, why are you working? It's a stressful job. Like, that's crazy. It's long hours. But I, it was so important to me. And that was one of the hardest things, being out of, being in the hospital for so long, was missing those relationships and missing that family that I had because that made me feel so normal. And so, yeah, I... It was my mission to obviously learn how to walk and move my arms and all that kind of stuff again. But my second mission was getting back to work and feeling normal. And after the second surgery, I realized I had to set little mini goals every, mo every month because I followed very closely still. I'm in an MRI machine. I could stick to a fridge. I've had so many MRIs, like it would blow your mind. Every three months, I am in a machine and they tell me every three months if the tumor's back. So... I live in little mini intervals at work and at home where I have mini goals and then I have big goals every year 
if I have success at the hotel, it's like, yes, let's celebrate. If I have success and I don't get sick that year, let's celebrate. And I usually travel. <laughs> I love to travel. What was your biggest fear after the treatment is returning to work? The first time was harder than the second time because it was such a shock to everybody, to my family, to my friends. Martin was actually came to the hospital the day I was diagnosed. Um, it was just so crazy shocking. And shocking for me, um, what was the question? <laughs> Your biggest fear, returning to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so because I was out for so much longer that first time, I, I felt like maybe I was an outsider. I remember going back to a leadership meeting because I just wanted to start to gradually go back to work. And at the time, my boss was, like, amazing. He's no longer um, with us, but his name was Stuart Jolliffe. And he was so supportive, and he kept saying, Sarah, it's not time yet. Like, just take time for yourself. Relax. But I just wanted to feel normal, and I wanted to see my family, which was my team. So... I did that, and I just remember going to that meeting and going, is this still my hotel? And that was hard. And not that they made me feel that way, because they were so excited to see me, but it just felt so like so much had happened for the last five months that I wasn't a part of, and that was weird, because I had been kind of the center of kind of supporting and cheerleading all the fun stuff that happened at the hotel. And at the same time in 2014, not only, um, not only did I get diagnosed and have that happen, um, Marriott took over. So all of a sudden I had this supportive uh, regional VP uh, who had gone, gone through everything with me and then all of a sudden I work for a new company and I have a new boss and that was kind of scary because they don't know me. They don't know and so I can remember having to call Paul Cahill and go, uh, hi Paul, I'm your general manager and I actually don't work at your hotel right now. <laughs> and um, you know, I have brain cancer and so we had a really great long chat and, uh, you know, he was very, very supportive right from the beginning. And, but it was hard and weird, you know, to have that conversation with somebody that I don't know. They say for a lot of GMs that um, to grow in your career, you would move to different properties, um, specifically if they see that you're strong in your role. Uh, do you think your brain tumor diagnosis kept you in Fredericton? And would you ever consider transferring or relocating? So if you've you need to Google Delta Fredericton. It's a beautiful property. Uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick is a beautiful city and my family is there. So yes, there was absolutely a time in my career where I wanted to be Martin or Peter, where I wanted to go to different hotels. I, my dream job is to work for W. When W Toronto came up and I'm like, oh, I can't apply for that job. That's my dream hotel. That was hard. And I see people that um, are growing and they're all over the place. And, you know, Hawaii, wouldn't that be great? When Mary took over, I'm like, oh, I could be a GM in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Paul has definitely asked me multiple times to, to grow and has given me that opportunity to be a GM at different hotels. And certainly there's great doctors everywhere. He said that to me, too. He was like, Sarah, there's good doctors in Toronto. And I truly appreciate that. But now my values... My first value, which is relationships, and my family is so important to my recovery and in my health journey. My family at Delta Fredericton has been there twice through these, uh, and they've been so supportive. So I think that, I think for me, sometimes it hurts my heart that I haven't been able to progress further than a 222-room hotel. But for me, I'm trying to always be Lady Gaga and trying to reinvent the wheel constantly because I know that I've been there a long time and I know that I have to constantly be innovating and creative and I need to be that person that they're still like that's still relative you know that is still doing a good job at that hotel that I'm not coasting that my team is still enthusiastic and they're still growing and developing 
And yeah, so that's what I've tried to do for myself, which is really push myself to constantly show value to Marriott in the role that I am in and and then still take on other things, right? So starting in January, I'll be the business council chair for Atlanta Canada. And yeah, so that's cool. And that's a development opportunity. You know, I do a lot of self-training and developing and you know, it's for me, it's about now developing my people to become general managers like Martin. When we did the, I, I'm looking at Christine again, because we did the activity about values. You just mentioned how that sometimes the personal is quite different than the work one. How did you use your value of relationships to lead the people in the hotel when you came back? Well, I've been pretty fortunate, even though it was uncomfortable that first round uh, coming back. You know, it literally took like six minutes and they were great. My team is incredibly supportive. The second time I had surgery, I actually was uh, in a hotel in, in St. John, New Brunswick, waiting to have my surgery the next day. So it was a little bit trickier because it wasn't a rush. I kind of knew that I was going to have this surgery. And my team knew, and that was hard. I can remember having a meeting with them and saying, okay, guys, my tumor's back and I have to have surgery this week. It was a very emotional <laughs> meeting. I went to this hotel in St. John, the Delta St. John, and was waiting, and they sent an email with a video that they had all done for me, which was um, how much they loved me, I guess. There was, the lobby was full of all of them, and they had big love posters, and somebody was narrating and saying that I was going to get through, and it was going to be great. So I'm pretty fortunate that, you know, I've been really lucky to have built relationships that are as important to me, honestly, at, at the hotel as they are with my family. <laughs> Being GM for such a long period of time in the same hotel, how do you find inspiration and motivation to continue to innovate in your role? I think I've just built that way. Like, I think that some people just are or they aren't. Uh, and creativity, I, I love every element of it. You know, COVID was really tough uh, for every hotel in, across the world. But for me, again, going back to relationships... It was hard, like that day, March 21st or whatever, the day that I laid 220 of my family members off was tough. And I remember like thinking, I'll probably never get that one out of my head. And then as soon as they all left, we actually closed my property for three months. And my whole mission as I sat there in a freezing cold, dark hotel in a hoodie was I got to get my people back to work. And how am I going to do that? And I'm not going to, New Brunswick had crazy strict regulations. Like you couldn't get in from Ontario, Quebec, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island. Like we were like living in this bubble. And for me, it was like, okay, so what's my why? Why is anybody going to travel here throughout all this craziness? What's going to bring somebody to Fredericton, let alone Delta Fredericton? What's different? How do I get my people back to work? So I have a big parking lot and I called my dad and my partner at the time. And I said, can you guys do me a fave? And they were like, sure, what's up? I'm like, I need you to build me a drive-in screen. And so I built a drive-in at the hotel. And so this was a reason there was no other drive-ins in New Brunswick. And I remember going as a kid to a drive-in. I'm like putting a drive-in screen up. I contacted some people. I contacted Encore to help me with the AV. And I just started renovate or just was finishing up renovations of this new restaurant. And so after I got the drive-in set up, I was like, okay, I can get people back to work. And this is how I opened my brand new restaurant, Steamer 36. So we did car side food delivery, just like the old A&Ws. And I thought that was kind of on brand with Marriott. We did that sold out for a whole summer of shows, seven nights a week. And I brought 50 employees back to work. So, So, and then after that, it was just like, okay, I'm going to take my bellman turn him into DJ. <laughs> Instead of became the DJ out at the pool bar, I have this wicked pool bar outside and, and uh, it's like a mini Las Vegas, I guess, and in Fredericton, New Brunswick, if that's even possible. 
by Maya Bellman was a good DJ. And we then sort of repositioned the hotel as a resort because I also knew that people were gonna travel to places they wanted experiences, so we created experiences. Um, my best, my new customer was a mom. You know, I realized that during COVID, moms are crazy. Moms <laughs> will do anything for their kids and spend any amount of money. So we started doing birthday parties and charging a thousand bucks a pop, and we created a CMN room with all these tents. I had my chief engineer build tents, and we were selling bedrooms with you know these bougie tents for like foolish money, and then. Theme weekends, oh, well, let's do a character weekend and dress up like Disney World. <laughs> and my team, thank God they love me because they sure hated me during those theme weekends. We did like crazy stuff during the pandemic. I really took my love of travel and of course, you know, um, I love cruise ships. I'm that old lady that loves cruise ships. And if you haven't been on one, you should go. But they have like a resort report. So every day in this cruise ship, you would get a resort res report. And so we became this cruise ship on land at the Delta Fredericton and constantly had activities. So like bourbon tasting, ice cream stand, you know, tastings, um, kid parades. We did it all because moms are nuts. <laughs> and we'll spend any amount of money. And then we opened Steamer 36, which was our restaurant. It was a bit of a grand slam. And we kind of opened it, and I took my experience from that chain restaurant that I had worked at originally and created training binders and had standards and systems in place for this restaurant. I wasn't going to open it like a stereotypical hotel restaurant. I wanted to open it like a chain restaurant and realize who my customer was, which was a New Brunswick. They A lot of money in Fredericton, New Brunswick, but they all drive F-150s and wear ball hats. So I was like, meat and potatoes. <laughs> So we're a modern barbecue restaurant, and we were doing $20,000 nights when pretty much every Marriott um, wasn't open for, in the restaurant. So it was great. Wow. Some incredible <laughs> examples. I was just thinking, I wonder how many eye jobs you have for workforce innovation. Like a DJ in Bell would be called a... <laughs> Yeah, Just everybody did everything, expert. like yeah. most of your hotels, right? We all did everything. I made a lot of beds in 2021. One of the things we talked about on Drive Here, I was saying that a few years ago, we had done an Advancing Women in Leadership program here. And through that program, um, I had the opportunity to interview some of the people in this room, but a lot of female leaders in the Calgary market, from Red Band all the way up uh, to director levels. And uh, one of the questions was, do you want to be a general manager? And the majority of the answer was no I do not and when when I probed to say well why because our company wants to have more female general managers the answer which you probably have heard this but and, and most of you will nod in the room it was like no way they work too long about not these two in the back but <laughs> too, too long of hours and you have to be on call and if you're on vacation and the you know the hotel's on fire you're going to be called in Hawaii like just this crazy notion of um, it's too much work. Can can you speak to that? What's the greatest part about being a general manager and, and why should more people take that path? I think it's the coolest job in the world, honestly. Like, uh, you're probably too young for Pretty Woman. But from the time I watched Pretty Woman and that general manager was getting clothes for people and doing all those things, that's why I want to work for W, the whatever, whenever position. That's like super cool. And that's what I love about being a general manager is that I get to be the person that can help everybody, you know, and, and I have the opportunity to uh, enhance people's careers and uh, develop them and, and give them opportunities. Um, yeah, we work a lot. But honestly, it is, it's it's probably one of the easier jobs I've had in my career from a work perspective, from a workload perspective. When I was restaurant, like restaurant managers out there, holy crow. Uh, chefs, hard job, right? A lot of hours on your feet constantly. But yeah, it's, uh, 
I think people just need to be motivated and given that little spark. And, and I think sometimes it comes down to confidence, but it's in every single one of you out there to become a general manager. Remember, I made $8 an hour as a host. So be confident. On the other side of that, for those that don't want to be general managers, because you probably have worked those people, you probably have those people with you. What, what advice do you give to them to, you know, make sure that they're staying relevant, still growing, um, and a valuable part of the organization? Well, yeah, everybody, you need those people. You need the people that are going to stay and, and be those anchors for those departments. And I think that that's important. You need the people that are going to grow and you need the people that are going to stay. And you need to, you know, consistently be Lady Gaga. You know, you got to evolve yourself. I always say Madonna, but she's gone crazy and... Uh, <laughs> And you're probably too young. But so Lady Gaga, like she's constantly reinventing herself, right? And that sounds kind of funny, but I've always thought of that. Like I need to consistently be relevant. And those people that are in those positions that want to stay in those positions, it's totally great. Like be the best at what you are in that position. Sarah, why do you think you've been so successful in your career? Million dollar question. (laughs) Because I surround myself with the best people, for sure. And uh, I think that every probably GM says this, but you know, you have to hire the right, you have to hire a great team that's going to make your life easier too. So for those girls that want to be GMs, uh, hire awesome people that are smarter and stronger and better than you because they will make your life easier. And I think, I think I just, I took a lot of different strange routes. So my first general manager position was at this property called the Holiday Inn in Mactaquack, which was about 30 minutes outside of town. It was a hotel that was going to close, and I worked for Chip Hospitality at the time, and nobody wanted to go work there. And I was like regional HR director, things were golden, you know, I was 28 years old as a regional HR director. And I think somebody said, I did miss operations though, I missed the hustle and bustle of the food and beverage business, and just, you know, just the action, the customer, the from a different perspective and I took that chance and I took that chance going into human resources I didn't know how to do that but I learned how to do that everything can be learned with the right attitude too you know I can remember going out to that property as a general manager and it was like budget season and I'm like I don't even know what ADR is <laughs> I've never been a rooms girl so that was tricky you know but it can be learned and here I am I know what ADR means <laughs> And I know what RevPAR means with 178% RevPAR. <laughs> so, you know, I think, um, I think you got to take chances. And that's probably why I'm where I am. And, you know, work hard. Have there been or is there now any other associations or committees or anything that you're a part of that is outside of the industry that's, you know, helped you um, either grow as a leader or be successful? Yeah, so this is a little bit of advice, and it's hard for sometimes it's hard sometimes for us girls to say the word no. It's important during your career too, especially if you're starting a new gig, that you should like focus on that position and that role. But you know, 15 years into it at the Delta, I have that ability with a strong team to be very community involved. And I also um, I was told I had five years to live, so now we're sitting at eight. I believe in karma. I I believe in um, putting things out there and you I feel that we are our thoughts um, so if I think positively and if I give back and I'm con- so I I believe in that karma that's maybe a little hokey but I do believe in it so I'm the president of the New Brunswick Hotel Association the president of the Fredericton Hotel Association I'm a director on the Chamber of Commerce and I'm a wiseman which is now Y Service Club. And I, you know, I'm involved in a lot. And chair of our golf tournament, which is our biggest uh, in the Atlantic region, our biggest charity that raises money for CMN. And um, 
you know, lots of other things. I wish I didn't do so much of that. But I do believe that there is great, in doing philanthropy and giving back to your community, there's a great correlation to business where because uh, you meet so many great people doing that and giving back, the business will come your way too. So it just makes the sales process easier in the hotel because they're very loyal to you. If you give, they will give. So, so majority of us in this room are early in our careers or not as experienced as you are. If you had the opportunity to talk to your younger self today, what three pieces of advice would you give? Sit at the table. So what I mean by that is be confident. When I started, I can remember going to a Delta conference. I was one of two female general managers. I was 32 years old. And that's when everybody was still called Mr. Gilbert or Mr. So-and-so. And Ms. Holyoke just doesn't sound right. And that the cool part was that they were evolving and everybody became who they were, Martin or Peter or Sarah or whatever, right? But I was very intimidated by that at, at the beginning. But I think if I sat at the table and had that confidence right at the get-go, things would have been a little smoother. Secondly, I probably wouldn't have eaten so much ice cream during the silly breakup. <laughs> but otherwise, I really don't have any regrets in my life or my career. I am very happy with who I am and where I am. And even, I, you know, I wouldn't even take the brain tumor back. You know, it is what it is. And everybody's got their stuff. And I've realized that health is super important. But yeah, I think that you just need to live for the day and the moment and have fun while you're doing it. How do you follow that? I mean... We, we want to open it up in case you have other questions. And you need to use a microphone because we're recording. I do have a question. How do you manage everything that you do with your professional life and your personal life? Yeah, they're both jobs. <laughs> <laughs> the chemotherapy that I do now, it's uh, a low dosage. I was doing heavy dosage and I was struggling, honestly. Um, it was a lot of laying on the bathroom floor and... Yeah, it was terrible. Five days, and then I would do, so I'd do five days, and then I would do, um, I would take a week to recover, and then I'd work for two weeks. And then I would start it all over again, and I did that for a year. And so that was tricky. And then at a certain point when I had to do it again for another full year, the doctor said that I had to do it again because it will come back. I've been told it will come back, but it's just a matter of when. I, I said I can't do it. So I was like, I was kind of caving in my personal life. I was like, yeah tapping out here. And so she said, let's try something else and we'll do low dosage. And I was handling the low dosages when I was doing radiation. So I was like, okay, let's try that. And so I've been doing that for the last, since 2017. I wake up every once in a while kind of icky, and but I just go for it. And then work, work is not, like I said, work is work. Work is, is uh, I'm surrounded by my family. We keep it fun. It's something I look forward to. It keeps me normal. Um, my doctors have said, why are you working, Sarah? You should be like, chilling you should be relaxing that brain and then I have another doctor that has said Sarah you need to work the brain like it's good for you to be doing that and I think if I was not working I probably wouldn't be here today truly I think that uh, I'm very thankful that Marriott allows me to work um, in this throughout the situations that I've gone through and and uh, yeah I'm just happy um, to, for the opportunity Definitely an ambassador for the flexible work arrangement. So I'm sure when that came out, you're like, well, I'll be oh, honest. I was like one of those people that were like, how's this going to work? <laughs> but it does. Like, I'm so happy that Marriott has rolled this out. I, uh, at our property, we're still trying to find our mojo with it. But, um, you know, I, I work from home now one day a week and I'm still working. I haven't graduated to the working four days a week kind of thing and with an extra day off, but I don't mind it work. Like I said, work for me is keeps me feeling normal. What other questions do you have? 
You're giving us a lot of advice, so thank you for that. But what would you say? Don't do it. <laughs> oh boy! Don't yeah. follow the boy. No. Oh, the boys. My philosophy is: if you're not going to go to jail, then do it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, I've done a lot. Like I've. I don't know. I say do it all. Like I don't know. I'd say maybe some of the committees. So I, in the community that I work in, it's hard because, you know, I've been there a long time, so I am known. Everybody kind of wants a piece of you. And I promised myself after my second surgery that I was going to say no more. And this year, for some reason, I feel like I've said yes more. And uh, so it kind of, it's a lot. So I would just say stay involved in your community, but do a couple things, not like 10 things. Do those couple of things well. So throughout your career, you've been very successful, but have there have been any opportunities where you weren't successful, whether that's for a role and you, you didn't get the role or a project and you weren't, um, you know, it didn't go as you planned? How, how did you overcome those? I, I would assume they would be disappointments. I've been pretty fortunate. I have I've not been turned down for a job, so I haven't had to deal with that, but I can only imagine that that would be tough. Um, but I think for me, um, I have had multiple owners over the years and, uh, I recently have an owner that is a little bit trickier than the last few that I've had. And so that has become a bit of a challenge for me because I'm so, I've always been used to doing well. These owners are very particular. They have a different leadership style than Marriott. They're tough. And so I've had to get used to that. And um, at first, it uh, it hurt. It hurt my heart. It hurt my feelings because I was so used to being good. And, and so I've worked um, on that as a leader and not taking it so personally because, you know, you know how hard everybody's worked through COVID, right? And so then they're not happy. So how does that happen? You know, Mary is saying great things and then you've got these guys not. So I just, it's truly about not taking it personally. And, and it took a while to figure that out. And that's as a seasoned 15-year Delta Fredericton GM, but it, it's really, I've just learned that in the last two. So you'll constantly be learning things throughout your career. Hi, um, my name is Leslie. Thanks so much for Hi. coming in today. I'm learning so much, taking a lot of great notes. Um, I have a quick question about uh, mental health. So you've been through a lot in, in your life, and I'm sure there's days where you feel like, oh, you just don't want to get up, or you feel down. Do you have any tips or any like daily practices, daily habits that you do to, you know, just, you don't want to get up in the morning, but you got to get your, your 15 minute walk in the morning, or do you got to eat a certain diet, or do you have some kind of tricks to make sure that you're always opt, um, performing at the best uh, that you want for that day, that week, that month, that year? You're going to make yeah. me cry on this one. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was that person that really didn't understand mental health until 2014. I didn't get it. It was like, you know, and, and my family, I've had my grandmother, uh, suffered from, bad mental health issues and my mom does as well and and uh so but I never really understood I was like come on like suck it up uh and then in 2014 this big health crisis happened and I was seeing you know I was uh, at a rehab center outpatient inpatient um I was actually dealing with a breakup at that time and the Marriott thing and moving and so all the big life things were happening in at the like within three months and so I, yeah, I was, I went to a psychologist during that time because I 
didn't get it, but I laid on the couch for literally three months in the dark and my mom would come over and my best friend would come over and they would try to drag me off the couch. So I was severely depressed and yeah, it was tough and I don't know what happened. I don't know, just I think something happened where I'm like, frig it, like I've worked too hard and even though I have brain cancer, I have purpose and so I just... I believe, like I said, uh, I believe that we, with intention, I believe that we are our thoughts. So I was thinking, maybe I am thinking that I have to be depressed because I have this illness. But I made up my mind and said, no, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to be better. And I'm going to do the work and continue to see this psychologist, which was tricky at first. And yeah, it worked out because I think you have to manifest positive positivity in your life. And everybody everybody says it. Like when they know a family member that gets cancer, they're like, oh, you have to have a positive attitude. And I was like, you have never had cancer before, never had to lay on the bathroom floor, you know, doing chemotherapy and lose your hair as a girl. But it's true. You have to have a positive attitude. And I truly believe that I'm here because of my shift in my attitude, because I think I would not have been here if I stayed on that couch. I don't want to follow that. So I'm very, you know, I wasn't so understanding of mental health pre-2014, and now I'm all about it. You know, I, I have an employee right now that's going through a lot, and he struggles with sleeping and, and uh, struggles with major mental health issues and addiction issues. And, you know, I'm just, there's some people on my team that are like, oh, like, when can we get rid of him? And I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, how do we support him? <laughs> Good way to end. <laughs> um, okay. In terms of if you were speaking to the 25-year-old of yourself who wasn't as confident as she was, what advice would you give that person who knew that they had the potential but may not have had the qualifications to jump to that next level? Well, I deal with a lot of those gals now and guys, honestly. Like, I... I don't discriminate on who I try to develop. And there's so many people, everybody has the potential in them, but they need to discover it and they need to be supported and pushed a little bit. So I have a, my team is really young at the hotel. I'm in a university town, so we have two universities. So most of my employee base are those 25 year olds or even younger. So it's really like seeing something in somebody, you know, the people that are keen, you know it, and you have to kind of get to know them. I really like to build relationships with my employees at all different ages. And if you see that potential, then you need to try to keep them in this industry because this industry is going to be in trouble. And uh, if we don't uh, continue to engage in those younger people that think they're going to be a police officer and that person, you know, that had said to me, you should work in a hotel someday, I still think of that person, you know, and I don't even really know her, but I remember her making that comment. And so, yeah, I, I think that you need to nudge yourself uh, but you have to raise your hand too. I think this is the reality of our world that you have to raise your hand and say, I want to grow, help me. Because if people don't, then we won't know. But you just need to find that person that you're comfortable with on your team uh, and say, hey, I want to grow. Maybe it's a super, another supervisor that can maybe speak for you if you're not confident to go to the GM or the department head. But raise your hand. Us girls, we're humble and we're, you know, we're nervous and we have guilt and we have, you know, I don't know, guilt guys probably have it too, but you know, we worry a lot and oh, I don't want to make that weird impression. That's why my one thing that I would change is I would sit at the table. I would go for it because guys go for it, right? 7% of girls ask for a raise. 57% of guys ask for a raise. I am the person that has never asked for a raise. How weird is that? And I'm pretty confident, right? So be confident. You're awesome.
How inspiring was that? So, uh, yeah, huge thank you, sir. I know your story, and I was inspired the whole time, too. And, and I knew you would be the perfect speaker for today. So um, so thank you. Thank you for your support. A quick uh, funny story with uh, Sarah and I is she's very competitive. <laughs> so we didn't even I. talk about that. <laughs> so am I. So one summer, she asked me I to I don't go. like to lose. So me neither. So... <laughs> One summer, so that day actually we both won. So uh, one summer she asked me to go play ball in her team, and we're losing. And then uh, so she said, "Okay, if you do a home run, I'm gay." Because we've been bugging her, like I've been bugging her. I want her like your office chair, mine sucked. And hers was super cool. It's like I want your chair. So then she says, "Okay, if you do a home run, I'll give you my chair." <laughs> so it wasn't over the fence, but it was far enough. And I says, "I don't care if I get out. I'm gonna run all the way to the home base until the I made it safe." So anyway, the team won, and then so the next morning I walked into the office. She's working, and she's like, hey, I'm coming to get my chair. She's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, like, we don't do bets just for fun. Like, we got to do bets. So it's time to pay. So she was, I think, for a month with a banquet chair. <laughs> and then he gave me a ball to sit on. I was like... <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. That was fantastic. You're very welcome. Um, so glad to have you. And I told her I need to buy her plane tickets so she come and see me. So, uh, But it was... Really inspiring. Dominic, thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Um, it was it was perfect. And you talk about uh, getting involved, and, and, you know, Jen is an old of the old, and she's always on the stage, but, but, uh, but you know, D Dominic is our next Jen, and, uh, you know, she's young, and this is very... <laughs> so you guys are all the future. <laughs> so... And we're at the boat anchors. <laughs> my, my point is that Dominique is stepping up as a next-gen, and she's raising her hands, she's getting engaged, involved, she's getting exposure, and, and it makes a big difference down the road. So I just want to outline that. Uh, you're not that old. <laughs> but you're also not that young. So. <laughs> so huge thank you, and then uh, I think the bar is open, and then yes, uh, please, make sure you mingle, Somebody ask questions, and thank you. The sound.